So Psalm 10, it says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts about the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. And then in verse 14, But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. Victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness that would not otherwise be found out. The Lord is king forever and ever, and the nations will perish from his land. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them, and you listen to their cry. Defending the fatherless and the oppressed, so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. Thanks very much, Catherine. And um, good afternoon. How's everyone doing? Are you alright? Great. Um, well, this time I'm from a, a Pentecostal church, so I'm really used to people shouting out. Yeah. 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 So feel free to heckle. Um, encouraging me, preferably, all right. Um, so, um, thanks so much for having me. Um, as I said before, I'm Esther. Um, for those that know my sister, I'm Miriam's sister. All right, let's just get that out of the way. Okay. Um, so thanks for being a brilliant family to my sister. Um, she, she's great. And um, yeah, thanks for all that you do to support her. Okay, um, second disclaimer of the day. Um, I'm about to start work for the International Justice Mission as of about six weeks' time. So I'm both like a little bit of a fraud at the moment, but also in my like most excited phase possible. Okay, So I'm kind of going to share a little bit about my journey that's leading me um, to start work with this organisation. Alright, so, let's start. Alright. So I um, obviously have no idea where the majority of you guys are um, in terms of the journey um, you are with your faith. I feel like I myself have been trying to follow Jesus for quite a long time, but I keep coming back um, to be challenged by a fairly straightforward question. And that question is, are Jesus and I really interested in the same things? I know what I'm interested in. I could make a list of all those things that I'm passionate about that, that get me going. I'm sure you could too. But what if we set those aside for a moment and ask the question, what is God interested in? What's he passionate about? And could someone really know what God is passionate about by looking at what I am passionate about? Well, how's my relationship with Jesus drifted off into one of those stale relationships where he has his things and I have mine? And so I keep coming back to this question, are Jesus and I really interested in the same things. So this afternoon, guys, I just want to bring into focus two of the passions of Jesus that um, have been highlighted to me recently, and a little bit of a journey that I've been on as I try and get to grips over these two things. And they are, firstly, his passion for the world, and secondly, his passion for justice. So, uh, let's start off with uh, God's passion for the world. All right. So we know that God so loved the world, John 3.16. And by that we mean every single individual across every border, boundary, culture, nation and religion. Every single billion individual life. That's what Jesus is interested in. 
But in contrast, what am I passionate about? Are Jesus and I interested in the same things? Well, I'm interested in a lot of things. I'm interested in food. I'm interested in sport. I'm interested in travelling. I, uh, I was rehearsing this with uh, my other half, and I didn't say him, so for the sake of that, I'm interested in my fiancé. You're <laughs> getting trouble on the way. Um, but the thing I'm most passionate about, the thing that I'm most interested in, is me. I'm fascinated by me. Every single day. I wake up, and it, it just comes to me. I don't have to remind myself to think of me. It all comes really rather naturally. But you know, this is rather narrow. So I'm learning to open up a little bit. And on a good day, I'm extending uh, my love and my compassion to everybody in the world who is in my immediate friendship group or family. So let's be honest here for a second. It is so much easier to love people who I am like, who I like, and who like me. So my world of passionate focus and energy has become this kind of smaller version of me and mine. Now I'm not for one moment suggesting that loving the people close to us is a bad thing. Don't, don't hear me wrong. But perhaps we um, who are on this journey of trying to become more like Jesus, perhaps we can agree on a goal, even if we aren't there. A goal to share something of his compassion and love for the world. And then as I read the Bible, I see one long story of God's loving people and freeing people. Right from Moses, from Deborah, to David with Israel. From Ezra, Nehemiah out of Babylon. From Esther and the Jewish nation, right into the ultimate picture of love for the world, Jesus. And the list goes on and on and on, display after display of passionate love for the world. And so I could keep focusing on me and mine and what I like. But when I read the Bible, I find myself stuck at this challenge. Are Jesus and I interested in the same things? But yet I stand here and declare that God so loves the world. But how can he? How can you and me possibly believe that, preach that even when we look out there and there is so much pain? You know, there are 10,000 children today who are going to die because their parents can't get them enough food. 10,000 tomorrow, the day after that, and the day after that. How are those families supposed to believe that God so loves the world? And what about the 1.5 billion people in the world that have no access to healthcare? What about them? What about the person who's trafficked every 30 seconds? What about the Syrian refugee child washed up on the beach? How on earth are people supposed to see uh, that God so loves them? What's God's plan for this? For a world so full of suffering and hurt and need, what is his plan? And the answer in the Bible is really clear. And perhaps a little bit surprising that his plan is Moses, his plan is Deborah. His plan is David, Nehemiah, Jesus, humanity, the church, me. His plan is you. 
plan is us, we, are the plan. Ye are the plan. And if we, uh, if we remember what Jesus says in Matthew 5, he says, You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He doesn't say you could be the light of the world on a good day, or you might be the light of the world, or I really hope you can be the light of the world. No, he says to us, you are it. And then Paul in 2 Corinthians writes, God is making his appeal. That's an appeal to the world through us. Amazing. We are his hands and feet in this world, shining the light of Jesus. And we can respond to this call to, to feed the hungry, to, to heal the sick, to house the homeless, to welcome the refugee. Every time we do this, we show the love of Christ. And so it suddenly becomes believable that God so loves the world. So whilst I'm asking myself this question, are Jesus and I really interested in the same things? I guess the first thing I'm asking really is, am I loving people beyond the me and mine of what is comfortable? But for me, um, at the moment, my journey's taking me on a slightly different um, kind of step further. And I want to share a little bit about um, what I'm learning about God's heart for justice. Because there's another category of people in the world um, who are suffering. So let's look back uh, to the Bible. Let's look back to, to Moses, to Deborah, to Gideon, to Ezra, to Nehemiah. <coughs> God called them not to primarily feed the hungry or heal the sick or to house the homeless. But the call that went out was to set my people free. And that message in the Old Testament is, is still as relevant and is still on God's heart and is still um, as important today. And there's a call here, a mandate, a command even, to stop people oppressing other people. Set my people free to do justice. Okay, so just for a second, I want you to picture this. All right. So you're leaving work. You're a little bit late, and you're short of petrol. You're you're in a little bit of a rush. So you head to your local petrol pub. You're probably on your way to like an all night prayer meeting. Yeah. Obviously, okay. So you're on your way there, and you pull up, and you're behind, you're behind the Citroen Picasso in front, and they go in to pay uh, for their petrol. So you're looking at the clock, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to make it. And you wait. And they've disappeared into the shop, and you're just kind of waiting to pull forward, fill up your car, and you're waiting. And a few minutes go by, and you glance again at your clock, and you're still waiting. What is going on? They have disappeared. This is a nightmare. If you look at the empty parking place in front, why have they not pulled forward? <laughs> and then it hits you. This is the worst of all. You are part behind a petrol pump shopper. Yeah? You know the ones I mean? That you pull up to do petrol and they are doing their weekly shop. Okay? So they clearly haven't seen the sign that says pull forward. You're going to be late. This is a nightmare. Ten minutes have gone. This simply is not fair. 
Okay. This is not the injustice the Bible is talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So injustice isn't just about things not being fair. Okay? Injustice in the Bible is a really sort of specific type of sin. Okay? Injustice is about the abuse of power. The abuse of power where people take the good things God has given to them, their liberty, their dignity, the fruits of their labour, their life, and instead take advantage of people more vulnerable than them. These people are the victims of injustice. So in my sort of quest to find out why Jesus and I were really interested in the same things, This is the second part that I want to share with you today. That not only does God care deeply about the whole world, but he's also passionate about the injustice in this whole world. So if we can, if we could just briefly uh, return to Psalm 10 again. You'll see, in verse 17, the psalmist writes this. You hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed, so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. Today, there are more than 35 million, sorry, 35 million people who live in slavery. And that's more than any moment in history previously before us. It's more than when slavery was abolished. That's the biblical injustice we're talking about here. Women, men, children working 20 plus hours a day, every day, each week, every month, year after year, in brick kilns, in in factories, in fishing industries, in brothels across the globe. That's biblical injustice. One in five women around the globe is a victim of rape or attempted rape. A victim of someone with power, taking advantage of someone without power. That's injustice. According to the UN, in total there are 4 billion people who live in countries where the law doesn't work. 4 billion. And that means those with power are free to exploit those without power. How do we expect to end poverty? How do we expect to love the world when so much of the world is vulnerable? Uh, to slavery, to sex trafficking, to rape, and so many other forms of violence. This is biblical injustice. So what's the plan? What's the solution for this? This is, um, for me, where my personal journey is starting um, uh, to work with an organisation called the International Justice Mission, IJM for short. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about them in a minute. But to set all this into a sort of context, um, I'd like to, to introduce you to a, a girl called Lena. We're just going to watch a short video about her. Tại bên trước có tay về trên lưng 
the whole place safer uh, for everyone to be. And in all of the countries where IGM work, there are laws that make slavery illegal, but what isn't often present is the system to enforce those laws. So IGM then work with the, the government and the local um, police uh, to make justice a reality. Because by and large, the criminals uh, that are carrying out these crimes, they're, they're not courageous. They enslave the poor because it's easy and it's lucrative. But as soon as the law is enforced, the crime rate drops dramatically. And then fourthly, long-term, IGM build bridges with the government to make justice for the poor as sustainable um, as possible. So they work to make sure systems of justice are actually protecting those they need to protect on a long-term basis the sort of four stages of work. Because God so loved the world, we're seeing these cycles of injustice being broken. And Jesus was so passionate about this that his actual opening commission is to proclaim good news to the poor and to set the oppressed free. And God even gives us um, a manifesto in his famous passage in Micah 6 where he says, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly. There's a clear call here for action. To actually do something. But what does that mean for us? So God so loved the world. We know that. And it's clear God loves justice. We know that. Now your story and my story are going to look very different. So can I just finish today by giving you um, three tools. In fact, um, I'm going to call them three pieces of kit, um, which might help you start your own journey towards finding out whether Jesus and I, or Jesus and you, are interested in the same things. So tool number one, kit number one, alright? First thing you need for a journey is a map. The Bible. And the Bible is full of stories about justice. In fact, I've got a book here, it's called The Poverty and Injustice Bible. Alright? It's a normal Bible, but all the way through, see it's got bits in red. Now there are over 2,000 passages in the Bible that deal directly with poverty and with justice. The Bible is saturated with stories of God setting the oppressed free. So can I suggest the best place to start is the Bible. Um, you can sign up uh, for the IJM newsletter to find out actually what's going on, um, on out there in the field. Um, on the tables I've put some sort of these white sheets of paper, if you can see them. Do you want to hold it up for me? There you go, give it away. Oh, this one here. Yeah, you can sign up for that one and actually get some kind of updates. Also great for information. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Uh, so basically, your map is to expand your knowledge, to lift your eyes and find out what's actually going on out there in the world. And there's a great book actually that I can highly recommend that got me started on all this called um, The Good News About Injustice, which is just full of, of scripture and biblical backing for, for why it's important. Alright? So that's the uh, that's the map, okay? That's about putting it into real context, finding out what's going out there. Maybe that's things that you can use in, in like your clusters or your small groups um, or your missional communities. Alright? It's about growing in knowledge. So that's your map. 
Alright? But the second thing uh, we need for a journey is a compass. And that's the Holy Spirit. Giving us direction and giving us guidance. Keeping us on track. I talked earlier about the plan uh, that God has to use us. And can I suggest the most powerful way to use us is when we pray. And I know you guys are a church uh, that love prayer, which is amazing. All right? And it's a like incredible divine calling and an amazing divine mystery. But somehow God gives us the invitation to join with him in prayer. And prayer moves the hand of God. IJM itself are an organisation built on prayer. Their, uh, their teams only go into dangerous places knowing that they've got an entire um, kind of backing of supporters across the globe praying for them. And uh, I'll, give, I'll just give you a quick example of where prayer's provided that sort of breakthrough. Um, it's, it's last year, um, James, who is in charge of the office in Bangalore in India, uh, came through with a message saying he's having a bit of a tough time. And they had um, a number of cases that they'd been working on for some time. But they were yet to kind of get any meaningful convictions. Basically, they needed a conviction to send the message out that, that the slave owners had to stop. In fact, they had one, and then after one day, the jury changed their mind and let the guy go free. So, um, in other words, the slave owners were just carrying on, thinking they could get away with it, and abusing hundreds upon hundreds of people as a result. So the message came through. And uh, what did IGM do? They sent out the word that people got on their knees. And there's one case particularly they've been working on for seven years. So people got on their knees. After three days, a sentence was passed. Three days. Seven years it had taken, but prayer provided a breakthrough. All right? That's just one example. But prayer is amazing, guys. Take it from me. All right? And um, prayer just helps us partner with what Jesus is interested in. It helps us speak life right into the heart of situations. And um, yeah, on your tables, those lists you can sign up to, you can get prayer updates and have a focus for when you pray. Um, but can I just encourage you that prayer is that breakthrough and it's an exciting journey to be part of when we pray. All right. So we've got number one on the map, number two, the compass. And then finally, that leaves me um, with the boots. Okay, the walking boots, the call to action. And that call is to do justice. Now, everyone wears different shoes. Um, just looking around, I can see, can see espadrilles, I can see some good boat shoes. Have you made your own flip flops, Christian? I'm happy. Yeah, so I've heard. Awesome. Yeah, I'm right. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right, everyone wears different shoes. Okay? And everybody has a different answer and a, and a different calling. I can't wait make you wear my shoes, and my shoes probably aren't going to fit you. I've got very worried feet. <laughs> <laughs> only, only you can wear your shoes. All right? And it's not a case of, of whether you're called to show God's love or do justice, but it, it's a case of how you're going to do those things. Alright? It could be anything. It could be anything from, from praying to giving financially. It could look like how you exercise your consumer choices, where you shop, to how you lobby your politicians, how you look at your local community. If you're a church of justice, what does that look like? Can we tell? 
So that's the third one, the boots, the call to do something. And I'm certain uh, from my own experience that when we start to ask this question, we're really interested in the things that Jesus is interested in. But there are amazing things that we can do. So um, if I can, I'll just leave you with one final thought. And I suppose it's both a comfort and a challenge. We cannot do everything. But we must not do nothing. Repeat that. We cannot do everything. But we must not do nothing. Doing nothing is the one option we don't have. To do nothing is to deny the mandate of God. The heart of love that's flowing from his character. His heart to set people free. To do justice. But just as we can't do everything, can I encourage you to start small. You know, it took one small boy in a crowd of 5,000 people who had nothing but a small packed lunch. And what did he do? He listened to Jesus and he gave what he had. And forever he's going to be remembered for his part played in one of Jesus' most amazing miracles. Because he listened to what Jesus was asking him to do and then he just did what he could. So can I finish by asking this question once more and encourage you just over the next few days and weeks to just really listen to the Holy Spirit um, as you find an answer. Are Jesus and I, are you and Jesus, really interested in the same things? Do you know that he loves the world? Do you know that he loves justice? Are you and Jesus interested in the same things? If we could, could we just um, pray together? Just a quick prayer, and then I'm going to hand over um, to the worship team and, and the girls to, to wrap us up. But I'd love to just just pray off the back of that. All right. So Jesus, we want to thank you uh, for your heart of love for the world, Jesus. We want to thank you that there's not one single individual who is too far uh, from your love. <clears throat> and Jesus, we want to thank you for your heart to set people free. And Lord, this afternoon as we start to think about your heart of justice, Lord, um, I just ask that you'd be prompting us to action. That we would hear your voice and do what we can. And Jesus, we do that all because of you and all uh, because of your love.